This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, you ain't gonna touch me, you're not gonna do nothing, you are not above me, I bet you wish you was me, I know that I know. This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it back, I know that I know. Alright everyone, welcome back to the Solve for Why vlogcast episode number 19. Of course, it is myself, Christian Soto, with my main man, Big Bet Berkey, in the building. Went hiking today again. Hmm. You Made it learn. out alive. You didn't learn from the first time. Or maybe you learned. I came super time. prepared. I had a lighter, I had a towel, I had a hoodie, I had sweatpants, extra food, extra water. You, I, I heard like the, the group text was yeah. like, Berkey's backpack is super full. <laughs> Bro, I got to tell you, it's it makes the hike a lot tougher. It's because like with two gallons of water, I'm carrying like a solid 25, 30 pounds. It's like the army out there. Just, yeah, I got my rucksack. That's what it's called? Yeah. Okay. Hit the Colorado, 50 degrees, got it. I heard. There. You, you told nice. me, you were like, oh, I dipped into the 50 degree water. I'm like, Bro, like, what's that guy's name? That like Goggins? No, the other one. The uh, Frozen Man or whatever. For, oh, Wim Hof? Yeah, Wim Hof. Like, yeah. Wim Hof out there. Uh, Fee was doing it. Fee was laying on a towel doing Wim Hof breathing. Okay. That's cool. So, um, that's all right. Man. So it's been a little bit of a, of a ruckus this week, but I do want to start with uh, Dominic Nietzsche. I believe yep. he uh, responded to something that we said from last week's podcast. Two weeks ago, but yeah. Or two weeks ago. Correct. And he was just like, you know, a little bit of like... Uh, you know, why was my name thrown in there? Like, you know, kind of that kind of thing. So I, I remember you wanted to address that. And you're like, oh, like, I want to address that uh, right off the jump. Uh, yeah. So, like, you know, we were basically just at the time filling in the the voids as best we could. There was a two plus two thread that had thrown around Dom's name, uh, Jeff Gross, Chris Oliver. I think Tonka was mentioned, stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, obviously, we have no idea what accounts got banned uh, and Correct. nothing's been corroborated. And that wasn't even the point of me naming them. Um, but I think with, with Dom in particular, we kind of leaned on him as an example of somebody who, uh, is currently building these databases and was pointing to the fact that like my whole purpose of it was to demonstrate that like, this is happening one way or another mm -hmm. and it can be used for good or evil. And Dom is a good example of using it for good. Correct. But I think that like the verbiage that I used may have implied that I was saying, uh, it's likely that he was RTAing, where that's not true. Him and Jeff both reached out to me and said, like, you know, our accounts are fine. Just wanted to let you guys know, like, uh, whatever. So, yeah. It's always it, weird when, like, names just get thrown in in threads like that because it's, like, you can't you can't say no, but you can't say yes. So you're just kind of, like, reporting on what people are saying. Well, I think the difference is, is that, like, I'm not media. Mm -hmm. So, like, we're peers. And because of that, it's probably bad form to i guess like stoke the fire of rumor that's mills that's fair where like if sarah herring says it it's kind of whatever because it's poker news's job to, to yeah come. but it's weird because like you know we we created this platform and like we talk about current events we're and, talking and we saw the names like yeah well, and like the people want to know the names in the thread and so it's like a weird thing like but yeah i agree like it's even so i don't even think mentioning the names of the thread was the problem i think it was just like i wasn't overly careful with the words that i chose mm -hmm. And if you're not, if, if you're just like listening to it and passing, it may have implied that I thought Dom was guilty. 
All right. Well, like, Dom, you know, you're not guilty or, you know, at least from everything we know, you're not guilty. You're you're a friend of the show. You're 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 in good standing with the community. And he's like a legend. You know, it's all good. Yeah. Like, he was like, yo, I don't even play GTO. I limp. I I've seen him limping. I'm, I've seen him limping. I've seen him doing the 3.5. And I'm like, just like, like he's in the streets, man. I, I was like, you're preaching to the choir, man. I've been doing this since fucking 2008. Yeah, he's in the streets. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan. The guy's in the streets. He's mixing it up. I'm like, for sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Like, I'm I'm. I always feel like he's generally like a good example in the community. He's never done anything like wrong. It's all good. But, you know, the elephant in the room is still here. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, uh, and we know what that is. Uh, I want to start from the beginning. There was a back and forth between Doug Polk and Daniel Negreanu this week. They were trying to settle uh, pretty much the terms of their bet. Mm -hmm. And... Initially, Daniel was like, yeah, whatever. Uh, you can use whatever. Uh, but then he was like, nah, no charts. Right? Well, I think like, so I want to be very cl clear in the way that his tweet was worded because I think it's been used against him and that's a little bit unjustified. He said, I don't care if we use RTA or we don't use RTA. I just want it to be clarified prior. Okay, that's that's way different than saying do whatever you want. Right, exactly. Yes. And that, that's kind of my point is that like now we're just really getting into the nitty gritty of like if it's agreed upon that nobody wants to use RTA, which I wholeheartedly assume that's true. Mm -hmm. uh, now they're really arguing the semantics of how close are preflop charts to RTA. And so I think like the whole conversation just like got lost there because they're just shouting at one another and, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are chiming in from the outside. Well, my, I'm going to make my stance relatively clear, and I think I'll speak for, like, software Y as well. Like, I think you'll agree with this, is that I believe that any outside assistance, whether it's charts, sheets, software, is RTA. And there was a kind of wonderful video done by Finding Equilibrium's channel that mm -hmm. I showed you that I think further exemplifies that that's just the case. I, I think he did a really eloquent job of explaining why it matters. I, I'm not going to go so far as to say it's RTA because I am in the camp with like pads and all those guys where it's like, if you're pretty studied having access to the chart versus like pulling from memory, it's not giving you that big of an edge. Yes, but there is but a difference. Yeah. Of course there's a difference. And I do agree that like all game trees are built from something and it starts with preflops. So like, you know, we don't necessarily know how much of a small change in the beginning impacts, let's say river strategies. Uh, chaotic systems tend not to operate intuitively. No. So something like having the wrong mixed frequency with queen eight suited may result in a drastically different river strategy in a particular spot on a certain board. I also think that it's a little unfair to say that the chart isn't RTA because of someone studied is going to be close to it. Well, what what uh, like what premise does that set? For someone that's not studied, like is now is that is that okay? Now right. When so they I guess the reason why uh, I, I'm being very pedantic about the terminology here, mm -hmm. uh, real time assistance to me is a very big deal, and it's uh, very sophisticated, right? It's it's having databases of solves to come through that like literally spit out a, a strategy that can't really cost right. The much connotation of real time assistance in poker today yeah. is effectively like you have a like a yeah, real time solver. Uh, effectively, what the 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 elites in the community are saying is that 
if you're bad at poker, take all the fucking charts you want. I don't care, right? And I think that's that's fair. Like I'll spot you the charts kind of thing, right? It don't, doesn't matter if people start playing well preflop. It's a little bit dismissive though, because like in the live environment where we play, a lot of the EV we we gain is by the fact that people play very poorly pre. Mm -hmm. And then that compounds street by street by street by street. Correct. So they arrive at overfolds. Uh, they play too loosely in some spots. Truthfully, like almost every single player who is giving up EV in live is overfolding some street. Whether that's pre, flop, turn, or river, um, they are almost certainly under-aggressing and overfolding at some sort of capacity. And a lot of that is built off the fact that they have very poor understanding of pre- Obviously, nobody's mixing, mm -hmm. but you know, to that degree, it's like in a lot of ways they probably could play pure strategies. It's just like they don't know where the boundaries lie. Some are like way too tight. Like I'll just never play king jack off under any circumstance versus a raise. Others are like way too loose, where it's like you know I'm I'm getting in the mix there in middle position with jack six suited kind of thing. Yeah, they're getting in the mix. Oh. Yeah, so I guess like uh, I'm not saying that there isn't an edge to be had by playing a relatively bulletproof preflop strategy. I guess what I'm saying is that it's so readily available to all that um, it feels awkward to call it real-time assistance. Like it's not the same as a dynamic chart, okay. like, uh, you know, the dynamic range charts that you get for MTTs mm -hmm. where it's updating every single time or every single hand based on your stack. I agree. I agree. Like, okay, maybe the term is not the term that we want it. Maybe yeah. we need a secondary term. Sure, sure. But okay, at the end of the day, it's outside assistance. Yes. Okay. I think that's fair. You know, you yeah. have outside assistance. Yep. Uh, okay. Then there's a back and forth between them two. Effectively, now Daniel's saying like, look, I don't want you to use your cheat sheet for whatever reason. Uh, I just don't want that. Mm -hmm. The camps split now, right? There were people that were saying, listen, Doug, defending Daniel, saying like, you're a six to one betting favorite. And... At this point, like if the underdog is saying doesn't want you to use outside assistance, mm -hmm. you should go by that. Right. I sided with Daniel saying whatever happened to give action to like give a little action to get a little action. And it seems like if the underdog, the significant underdog here does not want you to use these things, mm -hmm. seems very reasonable not to. Sure. Doug and his camp effectively were saying, listen, why are you arguing about this? Like, what about if I use some hotkeys? Like, is that cheating? Like, all these things. And the uh, way he argues yeah. is so bothersome to me. Uh, it's bothersome to me that, like, nobody seems to check it because he's done a really great job of making himself a fan favorite. Like, he's entertaining. He, he is engaging in a lot of drama, which drives the Twitter sphere crazy. Mm. Um, but like, you know, he's just arguing illogical fallacies. He's jumping to conclusions. He's moving the goalpost. He's giving anecdotal examples that are like one-offs. You know what I mean? Like uh, clearly hotkeys and preflop ranges are not the same type of thing. Uh, and, and yeah, it's just like one of those things where it's like, it's, I don't understand how you can get away with the contradiction of I'm bum hunting to the degree where I'm going to back the truck up on this guy and then head off into the sunset again into retirement a lot richer by by beating this trash player as he would refer to Negranu, but at the same time also be like uh i don't really want to play this match without the ability to have my chart like i put in work studying yeah. and i don't want you to undermine that 
Yeah, I mean, the truth of the matter is that uh, we actually recorded a podcast yesterday mm. and I woke up this morning and I was like, listen, I was like really hot. Like <laughs> you were spiced, man. I was super spiced because I, you know, the it was thing- cathartic though, right? It felt good. It felt good to to just get on the mic and I mean, no one's going to see it now, but like it felt good <laughs> to just go hard. I'm heated right now. You ain't coming back like 95 Jordan, all right? Like you're not coming back 95 Jordan where everybody loves you. You're wearing 45. Everybody's like, oh, Doug Poco. No, you're coming back like Wizards Jordan. You washed up. And, and you trying to, you trying to, nobody loves you. Look at Twitter. Like everybody, everybody's, everybody's turning the back on you. You ain't that big a deal, bro. I mean, look, um, he ends up calling you out, right? Yeah. He's like, oh, I heard Berkey's playing WSOP. Like, let me clear my schedule. Mm. And at that point I was like, enough's enough, man. Like in my view, like you're too classy to like clap at him. And I was like, bro, like. You just like do anything to like get get attention and like all these things, and I really didn't like it. So I was like pretty heated last night. Yeah. Wake up this morning, and Matt Glance is like, "Oh, I wonder who he's gonna fight with next." Mm. And I was like, oh, "Maybe he does actually." And then he names like the top five. It was like Ewas and MJ and like Jonathan Little, whatever. And I'm like, "Yeah, I guess like maybe he will move on to somebody else." Nope. <laughs> nope. He doesn't. It's like, oh. Chin and Berkey again. It's like, bro, yeah. like, what is the obsession? Like, I don't understand. And I was like, and then I got pretty mad. Like, he called me a coward, and like, that doesn't fly. Like, at least to me, like, those are like, you're really getting close to like, this isn't, this is personal, you know? Yeah. Um, so whatever. I was like, all right, like, we got into a little bit back and forth, and it continued through the day, like, a little bit. It kind of died down. I think it died down a little bit when, like, I kind of like, Kind of put him in the coffin a little bit when I was like, I, I put a tweet with me playing and I had a range chart. Yeah. Like that yeah. I and I wrote it down in a little like a little paper and I put it out there and I was right. The King Nine suit, it's an open right there, you know? <laughs> and I was like, hey, is how is this how it works? Like, but at the end of the day, like I think what he's doing is like pretty childish and very attention grabbing. And it's fine. Like, but I think people need to see it for what it is. It's like he is either gearing up attention and that's his business plan or he's really like this is really how he is well i've said this a hundred times man he's he's a smart businessman uh he knows what drives the needle he knows what gets clicks and uh to him i think like these are all emotionless tweets i truly think he like doesn't give a shit about anybody negranu included like i know it comes off that he genuinely hates negranu and I'm positive that Negranu genuinely hates Doug. But I truly don't think that, like, if if there wasn't anything to gain, like, if Negranu wasn't ever going to play him heads up or Doug didn't get tweets out of it, or, or sorry, clicks out of it, uh, I, I just think he would have let it die. But it's a cash cow for him, right? And that was kind of like, like, I appreciated you jumping in. Uh, it's not even that I'm too classy to, to respond because I'm not. But at the same time, it's just like, I don't want to feed into it. Yeah. You know, like when Guru called me out, I felt like I had to address it because I felt like if I just ignored that also, it was just going to become this litany of just call out culture because that's what drives clicks. So it's like whoever starts the next training site, like they're just going to call out Berkey. It's like it already started with Doug the first time. We ignored it. We literally let it go for like three months. He made 
infinite videos about it. And then finally it was like, okay, let's utilize our comedy team in pigtails. Let them clap back. We hit them with the Doug Polk retired me. A lot of self-deprecating humor. It was funny. It was good. It was great, right? He got scared. That happens sometimes. Berkey got shook. When two grown men feud, it can get ugly. I've actually reached out to Doug, uh, waiting for a response, see what he's going to say. I think he's a really great fit for a new uncle. He was using Berkey's own words against him and honestly some pretty sick top-of-the-line graphics. I don't really know how he got his hands on that if he knows people at Pixar. He was in rough shape. Uh, we had to pull him out of bed, uh, teach him to walk again. Uh, he basically became a piece of shit. He wouldn't work out. He lost his taste for eggs. You know, ugh, I don't even want to talk about the piss cups. I asked him what they were, and he tells me they're piss. The past few weeks have taught me a lot about honor and courage and how my aggressive spewy style of play is clearly just me overcompensating for being a shell of a man off the felt. In light of the allegations from Live at the Bike, it's in my best interest to retire from poker. Now this is old hat. Yeah. There is just no response, right? You can't win because it's like, even though like I just view this as somebody who like has some sort of weird chip on his shoulder that just like dives in headfirst into bully culture. Uh, it works. People fucking love him for it. You know, if you use the WWE analogy, uh, this would be what's like called a heel turn where he goes from like a baby face hero to the, the, the heel. But the thing is, is that like something weird happened in the WWE in like the mid two thousands with like stone cold and the rock and guys like that. These these were guys who like would be heels that were more popular than baby faces. Mm. And that was like never a thing, right? Like Hogan was was the clean cut, all American, literally came out to his the song he came out to is like, I'm a real American mm. kind of thing, right? So it's like when you rooted for Hulk Hogan, when you rooted for Hacksaw Jim Duggan, like they were good. And the Iron Sheik and uh, you know, the the nasty boys and these other guys, they were clearly heels. They were bad. And their, their sole purpose was to just be the bad guy and the villain. Somewhere in the mid-2000s, we fell in love with the villain, right? Like the villain, like the Rock was never the villain, though. He was. He was. He came in as Rocky Maivia, who was the, the baby face. And then once he started to gain a little bit of popularity, he became like, the Rock. Like Stone Cold and shit. Like those guys were kind of bad, yeah. Stone Cold was a heel, yeah. But the Rock turned heel. He uh, like aligned with... It might have been DX early in his career or something like that. But there was just like a lot of sabotage. And what they found was that it worked early in the industry to just have good versus evil and draw a clear line in the sand. Mm -hmm. So people had rooting interest because that's all they were trying to generate, right? Is like we have this fake match that has a rooting interest. But by the mid 2000s, it had become so sophisticated that they wanted storylines. Mm -hmm. They wanted a soap opera, right? So now these baby faces turn heel and and vice versa and all this other stuff. It was like, well, who's going to turn next? Who's going to sabotage who? Who's going to call out who? Uh, and then who's going to reverse? Like The Rock just went back and forth and back and forth between being a hero and a villain, hero and villain. Same thing with Stone Cold. And, it was, and Undertaker is another great example. Like These guys all played both roles. And it was just sheerly based upon who they cherry-picked as their rival. I know you're laughing, but like... I get it. No, I get it. It's just comedic in a way because it's like it's scripted. Yeah, and it's also like I mean, who who like I'm fucking 31 years old. Like yeah. you're talking about like fucking Well, so that's the problem, know? right? Like we're in an industry 
where like respect is at a premium and uh your word is your bond in this in this right. industry so like when he trashes people the reason why it triggers me so much is because not not because i i care if he calls me a shit reg or jason mercier a bad reg or anything like that mm -hmm. like i don't give a fuck first of all i've been playing high stakes on wsop for five months open sitting and playing whoever the fuck came along he could have played at any point up until that time i literally haven't been on the site for 60 days right right and now all of a sudden like there's a call out and it's like what happens when he's playing heads up and I go to join a three-way match? Is he going to sit the other guy out? Or is he going to like, you know, start a new table and try to, I don't want to play heads up. I've never once in, the, in my life claimed to be a good heads up player, right? So it's all just a bunch of like calculated moves to drive traffic, to keep himself relevant, to keep his name at the top of the search engines, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And it works. It works fantastically, right? It's like, honestly, he deserves a ton of props. The sad thing to me is that like, we're not a part of the WWE. We're not being paid contracts, mm. right? We're not being compensated for the fallout that occurs from all of his like bullshitty call-out culture type stuff. So it's like, I know he doesn't give a fuck, but there's just a lot of negative impact that comes with saying that, you know, uh, I'm a coward for not showing up to a game or, you know, whatever, whatever the latest thing is like that negrano believes more rake is better and and all this other stuff it's like this is an industry where it's like if you're viewed as less than reputable if right. you're viewed as seedy or whatever the case may that be, has so, heavy consequences yeah, if somebody can refer back to like we we led this podcast apologizing to, to dom for simply implying that like he is building out databases that you know, are effectively equivalent to the same databases that you would build in real-time assistance. Correct. Never implying he was using them for bad. Basically just saying like, you know, this technology is growing and we're seeing it even being used for good. And it was just an example. We had to apologize. Yes. Because I feel like that is the stand-up thing to do, the ethical thing to do, right? I could have just said, well, Dom's a loose competitor of ours. He has a training platform. Right. But that's not how you. That's right. Not how you do let, let me figure out a way to just fucking destroy him, right? But that you know, that's not how you do business, though. That's not. That's not. Good, not how you do that's business. Not good business. Like at the end of the day, like the longer you're in this industry, in business with people, like we're in the same business with other people, like the longer you're in, the more trust there is amongst the, the leaders of the community that are in the same business. Like that's just how it works, right? Like it, you know, maybe it's just like you could just assume that people are going to act honorably and there's a certain level of respect that comes with at least how I view the game. Like when I got in the game and I've said this to you privately, like, yo, when did it become like a thing for people to just like shoot shots like at Ivy and shoot shots at people that are like, are taking lines that they don't agree with. Like I would have never done that. Like growing up, whatever, like watching. It started in like 2012. The, the, the second that, uh, this industry took game theory seriously. And there was a hard divide between those who committed to game theory study and those who did not. Uh, it, it just became a measuring stick. And there was just, you know, we saw it with the with the Gelfon giving props to Helmuth this mm -hmm. past week. Like, I've never seen Gelfon get criticized. Right. And there were sides, quick sides by peers, yes. right? Like, not just like, you know, Olivier kind of like was the initial... Uh, respondent there but 
it Dan, was Dan Smith. as respectfully yeah. as they could. Dan Smith, Fedor, uh, um, Greenwood, like yeah. all of these guys jumped on board and was just like, look, Phil, I respect you, but you are fucking crazy. So it's just like, you can't even hold a contrarian opinion in this community without like getting absolutely thrashed by people that are your peers. So, uh, you know, look, man, we play a competitive game for lots and lots and lots of money. And respect is in no way, shape or form inherent. You know, it's an emotional game and people are going to believe what they want to believe. There's a thing like there is a certain level, like if whatever, if Doug Polk wants respect or deserves respect, whatever, like how I view it is Daniel J. J. Merce, like these guys, they crush in their field, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Especially for Daniel, someone that has laid the groundwork for many of us, right? Like he brought this game, like he was one of the he's the biggest face, right? At some point. He arguably, still is. He right? still is, for sure. So in some shape or form, whether we want to believe it or not, whether you're a fan of Daniel or not, like he helped people have a platform, right? Like all of his doing, all the handshaking, all the stuff, all of the growing of the game. He was part of it. He was part of it before many of and us it were here. Immediately got forgotten with one phrase. What? More rig is better. Yeah, but that's 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 on us, right? That's on us because like we yeah. we somehow think like that one phrase just like erased everything that he ever did. It wasn't even it wasn't even like fully in context, right? Like I'm not, and I'm not saying he's justified for what he was backing, mm-hmm. but like. Uh, in some regards, it's just like, you know, you latch onto this one phrase taken out of context and you run with it for years, right? Like it was, it was a springboard for Doug. Right. And not, not saying that he wouldn't have grown in popularity anyway, but like, it was literally just a takedown attempt where it's like, who's the biggest name that is fallible in the way that he speaks. Right. Did this. And Daniel's super off the cuff. Right. And he did this with, with Durr, right? Mm -hmm. There was a lot of Durr videos. Third does not, not going to respond. He's in fucking Macau, like playing short deck for millions of dollars. Like, like, so you it's know like, the irony of all this is who sold the lie better than Polk, right? Like we had this hard divide where camp split between theoretically sound thinking mm-hmm. and, and play and those who leaned into the exploitative, right? And, you know, most of the theoretical camp wants receipts. They're not just going to let you in because you have a firm grasp of how game theory works and they're not going to accept you without a demonstration that you are on par with the strategies of where that community is at right now. Polk, less than a year ago, admits on a podcast that I did with him that he's never used a solver in his life. Right. He's just the goat. Right. Right. It's just like, you know, it's crazy. It's like I say something comparable, not even that I never used the solver. I I'd used the solver plenty all the way through. I just leaned a lot more on the heuristics that the solver showed to the community far more than the actual Sims themselves. Right. It's like, okay, what game theory principles can we extrapolate from what we're seeing in these Sims? Mm hmm. And, you know, you 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 gauge a lot based on sizing, equity thresholds, uh, you know, a lot of these basic principles that are formulated around 
how a solver even functions. Yes. And if you're intelligent enough and you have some sort of mathematical background, you can you can gather that and you can build winning strategies off of that that are pretty simple when you're talking about live play in particular and mixing is not an option. The difference is he packaged it as GTO. Yeah. I packaged it as practical strategies where uh, I recognize that optimal play is just not a thing. And that messaging is the hard divide. He got shoved into the to the winning camp or the cool kid camp or the whatever you want to call it, the 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 non-contrarian camp. And I got I got shoved the other way. And I'm not complaining. I chose that path. Yeah. Right. What I'm what I'm suggesting is a bunch of smart people got duped and gave a platform to somebody that like really had no interest in ever like he retired from the game because it was heading in that direction. Yeah. You know, he was open about it. He's like, when I built my strategy, it was done through hours, man hours, just like tens of thousands of hours of play, of analysis, of applying game theory principles, building out a good, we did the same fucking thing. Yeah. Right? I get it. The game gets harder whenever you can just simplify it through machines. So he's like, I'm done. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go the solver path. But yet he's everybody's favorite hero. I feel like the things are changing. I feel like, I feel like the pulse is somewhat changing. Like it, it's, I don't think he's everyone's favorite hero anymore. I think, you know, I, especially the media, like he felt like he got snubbed, and then, you know, for uh, for a couple of, of awards, and then after that, apologized for the negativity of his, uh, of the tone of his videos. Right. So he apologized for the negativity and the tone of his videos. I was like, all right, fine. You know, like, let's see if it's genuine. A year later, feels like it wasn't. Yeah. You know, and here we are again. I don't know, man. Like, it's, it's, I feel like your, your tone of like, yeah, it's the same old story again is kind of true. I was just like, enough, you know, like, yeah, it, it, enough's enough. Like, whatever. Like, he's a much bigger name than I am. A couple people messaged me and they were like, dude, it's fine. Like, any any publicity is, is good publicity. Like he's making you a bigger name. Like let him do it. Sure. You know. Other people were like, "Yo, it's like Bad Boy versus, versus Death Row. Like it's fine." Like, so I was like, "Yo, we Bad Boy, right?" And he's like, "Yeah." I was like, "All right, cool." You know. It is what it is. Like at the end of the day, like it's pretty clear. Like I'm gonna be rooting for Daniel. Like I hope he does it. Like he's he's a huge dog, but like I hope he does it, man. Like yeah, it is what it is. Um, I just wish I honestly wish Daniel wouldn't have played. Like, I, I hate that he gave the platform back to Doug, but I get it, man. And Twitter loves it. And maybe it's great for the community. Like, this is the most engagement we've seen over this last, like, 48 hours. Fucking call out Doug is really, really, really fucking popular. So, like, let it run its course. Like, maybe that's... I'm glad I'm in the mix, man. Like, I, I know you're not like, glad I, to I'm be just in the too mix. old for this shit. I'm glad I'm in the mix just because, like, you know what, man? Like, here's the thing, man. Like, we live in a profession where results don't garner respect. And or and on top of that, uh, conformity in a big, big way is really the only thing that gets you the respect of your peers. So if you challenge anything... Even if you have receipts, right? Even if you have a long-standing resume, if that resume isn't curtailed the way that the the peers among you would prefer, then like you just don't you don't earn it, man. Like, what what live guys do we know? Strictly live guys that are like regarded as being great at what they do. 
they've all been banished, right? Wow, that's that's pretty shocking, right? Right, yeah. Like, let's think Eric about Eric Seidel. Like, it's the only one. Yeah, but like, how much of that is just simply because he's transcended four generations or, or four decades, I should say, of a very difficult game and still competes? Like, nobody's gonna call Seidel the goat. That's the thing, no. and that's fine. That's totally fine. They're they're basically paying respect to to their elders in some regard, right? But he's like the only one that gets it. Yeah. It's like, you know, I think Ivy gets it too, but like, yeah, that's the kind of problem that I find. Like, it's like, it's unfair to call people out for all their success. Like, oh, they're not good. When you have the availability of having a machine to help you, like these guys were kind of doing it like on the fly and they were like, well, to be fair, I, I think that there was a difficult transition where those guys didn't get enough credit. Yeah. I agree the theorists and the analysts in this community, like definitely didn't get enough shine. Yes. That was the media's fault for sure. Yeah, now the media's gone. Mm -hmm. So like it's on us to to do do it ourselves. But like I can't fathom any other profession where like respect isn't garnered based on uh how, a, per how a person acts. Oh, that too. Right? It's yeah. just like it, it's crazy the amount of people in this industry that are just like pretty fucking awful humans. Like, you know, just I'm not even insinuating Doug in this instance. I've other people in mind that like I don't think are worth mentioning, but they steal, they lie, they cheat, they fucking all right. uh you know, you know, they're they're super aggro, they do all these things, and nobody nobody checks them. Yeah. I'm not saying they they get respect either, but they just kind of like fly by the way. Carry side. on. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like that stuff's all forgivable. But if you're not beating two five zoom, you're a piece of shit and you need to be reminded of it daily interesting stuff yeah I, I it's it's weird man it's weird i feel like accolades don't matter as much anymore like you know like at the end of the day love helmuth hate helmuth don't think he's great think he's great like the guy has 15 bracelets like he's doing something like he's doing something right like it's not like he doesn't show up to the world series and just like yeah like dust like i think i think the reason why it's so hard for the for the the the, the new wave right so like my generation moving into yours. I think the reason why it becomes so hard to promote Helmuth, Antonio, uh, Negranu, Antonius, Gus, any of the old guard, the reason is, is because the torch was never passed. And we blame them for that. Mm. We blame Matasau for still being relevant this, despite the fact that like he's just not very good at poker any longer. We blame them all for that. But it's not their fault. They had a machine behind them Yes, that is no longer a thing right and so like maybe that's why doug's so heavily revered and he does deserve it right it was all self-orchestrated right it's like it's like he remember, built his brand remember the record labels right it's like if we're talking about music it's like kind of the same thing like there's mm -hmm. a machine behind all these people right like, and then everything went digital right now nobody's like, as big right exactly but like back in the day there's like there was millions and millions of dollars behind certain people in marketing and pr and in getting the name out like in in Rec and spins record spins yeah, like yeah. you know it's like same thing like there was there was millions of dollars behind daniel there was millions of dollars behind ivy there was millions of dollars behind all these guys you yeah know? and there's so many deserving uh ambassadors of the game now like guys like jason coon you know you can't say enough good things about this kid right mm -hmm. it's just like he's so fucking gritty he works his goddamn ass off. He he literally comes from nothing. Like he is the inspirational story. But he's also like humble as fuck. Like it, yeah. it, at least in the interviews that I've seen, like I don't know him personally. Yeah. But he gives props. Like they 
I was watching him and like and Diptrong having an interview, and they were asking him about Ivy. He's like, "Yo, Ivy's a beast." Like, yeah, you know, he's never like shitting on Ivy. He's like, he's like, "Yeah, I played Ivy like ten hours." Well, he in just a row. doesn't prop himself up that way, but also like he doesn't have a reason to. Nothing good would come from it, right? Where it's very clear for a guy like Doug what he's trying to accomplish. But I think even if something good came from Jacqueline doing it, like he wouldn't take that approach. I, I, I would Same hope- thing with Galfon, right? Like Galfon yeah, yeah. would have good yeah. things coming from shitting on people, but he doesn't do that. I, I agree with you yeah. in both in both respects. I guess the point that I'm getting at is like, we have these great ambassadors that just can't ever be leveraged the same way Daniel was, the same way Phil was. Yeah. And, and, and again, it's not their fault and it's not the old guard's fault. It's the community's problem, right? It's where we're at in a transitional phase of the evolution of poker and it kind of sucks man but why do we think shitting on people is like the way to do it it's it's the fastest path to being the guy who carries the torch right the reason why doug is the industry leader and the the guy of this secondary generation who seems to carry the torch to move forward is because he built the fucking brand right Mm -hmm. he did it all it's all self-promotion it's all self-aggrandizing and yeah, he did it in ways that like don't fly with me, but it was way more fucking successful than keeping your chin up and patting everybody on the back that you passed or that was passing you along the way, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's this hardcore winner take all, never say die mentality. And like to some degree, I do respect that aspect of it. I just hate the fact that like it's a step on somebody's neck along the way kind of approach. Yeah, I don't, it's just not how I roll, man. Like I get it, but this like, at the end of the day, like even the best competitors, like when we saw Jordan, when we saw all these guys, like when the game was over, like they shook hands, like they were friends, like they played on the USA team, like like yeah, it's like when we're on the felt, it's like game on. Yeah. But off the felt, like there's a there's a mutual respect for your competitor. Like we're in the same space, we do the same thing. Like you don't need to like shit on. I think me guys who come up like through that. the heads up world don't don't view the game that way. Kind of like old school, like how cash game players used to not view tournament players with the same level of respect Mm. because it felt like a simpler form of poker. But yeah, man, it's just like, you know, for... Yeah, it must be be like, you know, much harder to play heads up, you know, because like there's only one player in front of you instead of like eight, you know, it's just like, it's much harder to play. I I don't want to get into that debate because I think think like the heads up players are wildly talented. They're they're doing something I have no interest in. Yo, Kevin Ravage is one of my favorite players, like straight up. Yeah. Like, I think he's a beast. Yeah. Like, I think he's a beast. But, like, he's also, like, the nicest person I've ever fucking met. Like, sure. the guy has an Instagram and he only posts food. <laughs> yeah. Like, but it, but a straight up, if Doug wants to play Kevin Ravage out, I'm fucking betting all my money on Kevin Ravage You heard it, Doug, right here. Like, my man Kevin Ravage will fucking eat your fucking lunch. <laughs> straight up. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, I, I mean, I guess, like, that's, that's, kind of like what I'm getting to is that to survive in such a cutthroat world as heads up, no limit, hold them, where you not only have to drum up action, but you have to be better than the action that you are drumming up. I get it. You know, it's so hyper competitive and there are so many small nuances to it. It's like, yeah, man, I get it. Like I I've never gone that path. I'm chilling. I, I want to play four max, five max, six max, seven max, whatever. Like I want to be in an environment where there's monkey wrenches, where it can go multi-way, where like, you know, we, we haven't really. Like you want to solve the problem. Like you want yeah, to. I wanna, yeah. I want to real time solve the problem based on my current study and knowledge, as well as my subconscious experience. Right. And if I'm wrong, great. This is what I'm getting at though. It's like, 
we've been at this for a long fucking time. There are some of us that have been playing, you know, closer to two decades. And a lot of us have been playing a decade plus. Yeah. If you have a relative amount of success to the point where you've built up uh, a platform, you've built up wealth, you've built up uh, some security in your, your life, your game and everything else. I respect the fuck out of that. Yeah. You know? And I respect the fuck out of everybody who tried along the way, failed, and ended up moving on to something else. So it's just like I don't get yeah. the shaming element of uh, you know, trying to tear down anybody with any sort of eyes on them. And that's what I'm saying. Like, like I had this conversation with you. It's like the whole Helmuth thing. Like, dude, it's still at the end of the day, it's 15 bracelets. At the end of the day, it's like an almost 30-year career. Maybe yeah. it is a 30-year career. 30-year career, like street Hall of Fame, At first least. ballot. Didn't, like, he, didn't he win it in like 88 or something? That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. The guy's like 30-year career, like, okay. Like, the guy's a legend, period. And he does show up winning bracelets in modern era. Yeah. Not like not like 10 years ago. Like, right. no, like now. Yeah. Like, he's winning bracelets now. Show the guy some love. Like, I get it. He's not your favorite. Like, he's a brat. Like, he says he's a brat. Yeah. He thinks he's... He has a little bit of like an ego, like maybe a lot of an ego. And like, you know, maybe you don't agree with all his lines. He does some white magic shit. But like at the end of the day, he got the receipts and that counts. Like, yeah. So say what you want. I mean, it is what it is. So yeah, I'm glad we aired it out. I'm sure there's a couple laughs along the way with whatever they inserted, whatever like the comedic <laughs> team inserted. I'm going to be fucking honest real quick. Like this show gets edited. But I don't want nobody to fucking edit me today. Real talk. People would have got smacked up where I grew up with, with this kind of character. Like this kind of like double speak is not is not real. Like it's not man shit. Oh, I've never had a problem with Berkey. Nah, we're cool. You know what else I don't like? Don't meet me on Twitter. Don't meet me on YouTube. Last thing I knew, all your fucking channels that were in poker failed. I heard that Berkey plays high stakes WSOP. I'm gonna clear my schedule. I'm the supreme leader. He's retired. We're not friends. Don't shake my hand. Don't say what's up. Don't say anything. Just tell me if, if, if it's hands. That's all I wanna know. I'm not going on your podcast so you can fucking tell me, oh, I never had a problem with you. There's no more words that need to be spoken. I ain't about that. I ain't about that bullshit life. I get it. I'm on your side. He's a much bigger name than I am, right? If he gets into a tic attack war with me, like he always looks bad. I'm just a kid with a dream. Insecure, attention whore. I picked up like 200 followers today. See, you're too classy. That's the care. problem. No, like it. it's not okay. Like it's just not okay. I'll fucking do it. Man, I'm excited to watch the Daniel Negreanu and Doug Polk match and November 1st. Yeah. Man, please, Daniel. Maybe they'll wander down the Aria one of these days. Yeah. I'm at Bellagio. <laughs> they call me the tap tap. <laughs> all right. Well, I hope you all enjoyed. This was Vlogcast episode number 19, season two. If you haven't yet subscribed, hit the subscribe button. If you haven't commented, hit us with a comment, man. Like, I, Berkey fucking views all the comments. I'll tell you that right now. I've used some of the comments, but a lot of you guys are actually pretty nice. Um, tell your friends. That said, we're out.